Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Friday, August 28th. I'm Wayne Pratt. Craft breweries pride themselves on being local, but most of their hops are grown far from Missouri. That might change. If a craft brewer is interested in making a unique seasonal type brew that you know really reflects local conditions, then they may be interested in sourcing Missouri hops. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports on how an essential beer ingredient might end up being grown locally. A new initiative on the November ballot could significantly alter the way St. Louis officials are elected. St. Louis Public Radio's Kayla Drake reports Proposition D would allow the two top candidates in primary elections to face each other in a runoff. Prop D would allow for approval voting. That means voters can choose more than one candidate during primary races. It would also make elections nonpartisan, which would remove party affiliations from the ballot. It would affect the elections for mayor, city alderman, and comptroller. Michael Butler is the recorder of deeds for St. Louis and a part of STL Approves, the group campaigning for Prop D. He said on St. Louis on the Air that the current election system is ineffective. A partisan primary, uh, again with a partisan general election, in municipal election doesn't allow for, uh, for you to really vote on the issues, but more on the team that you're on. Butler says the proposition is funded by a grant from the nonpartisan Center for Election Science. If passed by voters, it would go into effect by next spring. I'm Kayla Drake, St. Louis Public Radio. The ACLU of Missouri Foundation and the First Amendment Clinic of Washington University are suing the city of Florissant. This legal filing claims the North St. Louis County City has infringed on activists' rights to free speech and assembly and lists three plaintiffs. Protests broke out earlier this summer following the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Demonstrations intensified after a Florissant officer hit a man he was chasing with an unmarked police vehicle. He was later charged with first-degree assault. The suit argues the city has arbitrarily enforced unlawful assembly and refusal to disperse ordinances, violating the civil rights of activists. Coronavirus restrictions have transformed how several retail stores in the region operate. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports many of those changes may end up being permanent. Local businesses have had to find new ways to reach their customers and stay open amid store occupancy limits and other restrictions. Peter Baumgarten teaches strategy and organization at Washington University's Olin School of Business. He says a store's ability to generate revenue without in-person contact is critical to their survival. So if you're an online business or a business that has a significant portion of online uh, that accounts for your revenue, you're in a slightly better spot although not perfect. Baumgarten says moving online can be challenging because of competition with larger companies like Amazon. He says the pandemic is also changing how customers behave, and their habits around spending will likely stick as the pandemic continues. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. A mask mandate goes into effect Monday in Jefferson County. It's part of the effort to slow the spread of COVID-19. The county's health board voted in favor of the restriction last night during a lengthy meeting. Jefferson County Health Department Director Kelly Volmar says anyone older than five will be required to wear a mask in public when social distancing is not possible. Public health is not about politics. We are here to protect people, and our primary goal is to prevent illness in the community. 
this is a huge win for being able to stop the spread of COVID in our community and to be able to get back in front of it. That audio is from Five on Your Side. Jefferson County plans to reassess the mandate in late September. St. Louis and St. Louis County issued similar restrictions last month. The number of small breweries in Missouri has increased over the past 20 years to more than 140. The local beer makers market themselves on high quality and being hyper-local. But there is one essential ingredient they cannot get nearby. Hops. St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports that might change. The University of Missouri Extension recently wrapped up a three-year trial run to grow hops locally. The results were mixed. Hops need a dry climate and short days, which is why they thrive in the Pacific Northwest, but don't do as well in the Midwest. Patrick Byers is an extension horticulturist. He says his pilot program shows you can grow some specific varieties of hops well here. He says that means breweries will probably not be able to get the majority of their hops from local farms, but may still find a use for what they can grow. If a craft brewer is interested in making a unique seasonal type brew that you know really reflects local conditions, then they may be interested in sourcing Missouri hops, recognizing that uh, each year is going to be a you know somewhat unique experience, you know, s- such as a, a vintage would be on a, on a wine. And that idea is appealing to some craft brewers. Josh Stacy of Public House Brewing Company in St. James is standing in his brewery while a machine is worrying away putting beer in cans. He says being local is critical to his success, and he likes the idea of taking a chance on Missouri hops, even if it has to be part of a special brew. And it's based on that that growing season. I think that would be the thing that would be interesting about this is to to have that, and maybe it's just maybe it's an anniversary type thing, um, you know, where we're gonna bring in the load that year and you know potentially try something with it. Stacy says his company is thinking about growing its own hops on property behind the brewery or talking to local farmers. But if that does happen, it will still be a while. It can take hops three years of cultivation to produce a usable crop. And even if many craft breweries take on this idea, it will still make up only a tiny slice of Missouri's agricultural output. In Rolla, I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. It's not just Missouri. The craft beer scene has exploded in the Midwest over the past few years as brewers experiment with different techniques and flavors. But the owners of one microbrewery in southern Illinois are taking it a step further, creating unique beers with local ingredients like pawpaw fruit and oyster mushrooms. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan visited that brewery. Inside a large echoing warehouse, Mark Josephson is keeping a watchful eye on two wooden barrels filled with about 400 pounds of grain steeping in hot water. She kneels on the concrete floor and opens a valve, running the sweet, malty liquid through a tube into a massive copper kettle outside. If you went into a normal brewery, it wouldn't look anything like this crazy setup that we have. But they do things differently at Scratch Brewing Company in Ava, Illinois, about 80 miles south of St. Louis. They specialize in small batches of unusual beers made with roots, herbs, and mushrooms foraged on their property. Today, they're making two types of stout beer, one with yellow sweet clover and another with toasted hickory bark. Josephson hurries to the brick oven to check on the bark roasting inside. Here you can see these pieces here 
are kind of getting that like nice dark chocolatey brown. That's exactly what we want, but we almost want this to be smoking by the time we put it in the beer. The bark makes the beer taste like toasted marshmallows, she says. Meanwhile, co-owner Aaron Clyden stokes a crackling fire under the copper kettle, filled with hundreds of gallons of bubbling molasses-colored brew. The goal, he says, is to create beers that taste like Southern Illinois. So the challenge is getting the exact flavor you smell in the forest into the beer and finding which combinations of plants get you there. And that means only using local ingredients, including the grain and hops, which they purchase from nearby farmers. Josephson says farmhouse beer has become a marketing term, and often these beers have no connection to real farms. If somebody's picking up a bottle because they think that they're supporting a farm, but they're not, that's where I think there's a problem. She says sourcing local ingredients can be harder, more expensive. But in the end, she says, they're making a better product and funneling money back into the community. I'm Shayla Farzan, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Maria Altman edited that story. Fred Ehrlich edited the report from Jonathan All. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.